In this episode, we're going to go deep into a concept and a buzzword. And for those who've been tuning into some of my podcasts know how much I hate buzzwords. We're all about short-term research success with long-term mindset and holding. Because the truth is, property investing over the long term does get easier. But over the short term, it's just about using the information on this podcast, using the information that you can get out there as well, and making the best possible decisions you can in the short term. Because long term property investing does not need my help outside of buying a house, and you'll likely be successful. It's a strange thing to say, yes, that too coming from a buyer's agent, but long term fulfillment of strategies and setting up the right strategies oh, definitely needs the right help, in my opinion, or at least the right education. But in terms of long-term success with an individual property, if you buy a house in Australia, does not need my help. And yes, I know that sounds odd to say, but I'm here to tell you the truth, as we have been on these podcasts all the time. The thing with Australia is that we are very fortunate. Over the last 25 years, and you'll see me use this statistic often, is Australia and its property markets, as per CoreLogic, over the last 25 years, have seen 90% of local government areas for established houses achieve 5% or more compound growth. Now, when you've heard that statistic, I just want to make sure you get four things out of that. Number one is, long term, you're going to be okay. Number two is, buy a house, because clearly, that was house statistics. Unit statistics are nowhere near as good. Number three is the long term is your friend. So get started as early as you can because if you can't see that horizon of you holding, whether it's for your own retirement or whether it's for generational wealth for at least 25 years, get a move on. Make it happen. Get out there. Do it because that 25 years, if you can get that and some, you're likely going to be okay. So for those in the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, massive head start and anyone in the 50s and 60s and beyond today will be telling you that as well. With regards to the journey with that data set there that I've just shared with you, another thing to take out is this. It's going to be with regards to the, those that tell you about their secret source for outperformance. Oh, well, that's 5% plus, Arjun. What about if you have 6%, 7%? The power of 1% compounding over so long is such a big difference. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. When you factor in inflation on top, that 1% doesn't move the dial as much as you think it does. Okay? Now, with regards to this extra 1%, with regards to that extra 2%, let me reverse the question back to you. Let's just say it was my way or the highway, which was no, 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 property investing should be done in ABC way so you can get 7% growth, not 5 because that equals a better result. And look at these great long-term markets. Well, what if I asked you this? Would you still invest if you did achieve 5%? Not 7 but five. And the truth is most, if not all, would say yes. So that extra little bit of repair, that extra bit of maintenance, or that market that you saw on this chart or sheet did six or 7%, you feel like, ah, oh, I wish I had done that. Well, the truth is don't. Because at that 5% plus, many people still say yes. And yes, you can seek out performance in the short term, but over the long term, I'm just here to tell you, you're going to be okay. And so the purpose of me sharing this with you today is for you to really build that resilience over long-term investing, to know that as long as you're taking action, 
option as long as you're ticking those core minimum boxes of houses in Australia held over a 20 to 25 year plus period, you're likely to be okay. And so everything you hear on this podcast, everything you hear on other podcasts, your morning walks, the YouTube videos, courses you go for, buyer's agents you engage, that's just about making better short-term driven decisions, finding strategies that align with what you want and how you want to go about things, getting clarity on your goal, but don't let that change your long-term vision for property. Because the long-term, if you factor in those rules, Australia is proven. Everyone else is not, but Australia is proven. So I think from that perspective, now it's about taking this viewpoint and using what you're going to hear on this episode to kill one of the most important buzzwords that everyone makes out to be is very important, but it's not that important. And we're going into the topic of investment grade assets. Now, if you've ever heard those words and thought that is pretty wanky, (laughs) I'm here to tell you that is. Now, with regards to investment grade assets, it's this buzzword used in the community for those to feel like their properties are more superior. Their decision making is superior or because it sounds wealthier, richer and therefore should go and do it. I'm here to tell you it's a bunch of BS. It just doesn't exist. Because had it existed, why do we have 90% of markets over the long term be okay? Now, in that 90% statistic, small pause, I want to talk to you about one factor that was in that 10%. So that 10% that didn't do 5% or more was simply extremely undiversified single economy towns. I'm talking the deepest single economy towns out, like one major industry, max even two. The second thing that was there was also they were extremely low in population sample. And by extremely low, I'm not talking 100,000, 50,000, I'm talking 10, 5, 15, 20,000. So now that we know that, let's come back to this investment grade asset stuff. What do I think it is? Number one, I think it's BS. Number two, I think it's all about people's own ranking systems. Because if you create ranking systems, you can then bring people on a journey with you to chase what you feel is superior. Hey, this is an A-grade asset. Well, who told you that? Come on now. If it's an A-grade asset, it's only to you because of your way of explaining what you think is an A-grade or that you think it must be this wealthy or you think it must look and feel a certain way or have certain character to it, certain things to it. So this is the second thing. It's an individualized ranking. First part is it was BS. The second thing is it's an individualized ranking. The third thing about investment grade is that through that individualized ranking, it's used to cluster decision-making, okay? And so I'll give you an example of what I mean by cluster decision making. If you say, hey, I want to invest in this area in the middle to outer ring of a certain city, call it Sydney, call it Melbourne. Many may go, hey, no, no, we, that's not an investment grade. That's B grade or C grade. Well, who, who decided this? It's, I find it very strange. Like, oh, because the distance, that's my clustered ranking of A grade must fit with this distance or A grade must have these amenities or A grade must have these incomes. The data says otherwise. That's what I'm here to tell you. And I apologize in advance if I've offended anyone on this podcast, but I just feel strongly about the public getting confusion from information. I'm here to use this podcast and use this platform to give you the absolute simplicity. You know, part one, which we really identified long-term, which was property investing in Australia long-term has been proven and successful. And so from that perspective, whether it was A, B, C, D, E, or F grade, if you just eliminate units, 
if you eliminate single economy towns and if you eliminate areas with extremely low population with low statistic relevance, you are left with 90% of markets that achieved 5% or more. And yes, someone achieved six, someone achieved seven, someone achieved eight, but I can bring up a whole bunch of issues with that data. Number one issue is that we haven't factored in certain inflation aspects. So what happens if we take out that? Is it really that much greater now? Number two is they had a stronger starting point for some areas as well. So you had to put in more, right? And yes, the growth in some areas was higher or lower, but at the same time, can everyone start in these positions? The truth is no. But are you going to tell me that because the average punter can't start in a certain position, therefore they must put it away and not do anything and must be, you know, hit into the system and let the system just keep growing wealth and they sit there and don't make decisions because they can't hit your A-grade assets? That sounds silly to me. I feel everyone has a right to invest and grow wealth and this country has opportunities from 350k to millions of dollars. And if you don't want to have 20 kitchens in your portfolio because you're a millionaire and you don't want to manage 400k properties all the time, that is fine. Hence why those existing properties that are at higher prices exist for you to make decisions accordingly. But don't let that stop the person who's on a 50 to 100, 80 to 120, or even 100 to 150 household income and beyond. Make a decision to get their family one step ahead at a 400k, 450, 500k property so they can grow with Australia achieve their wealth goals, get passive income streams, set their future generation up one step further simply because you don't think it's an A or investment grade. To me, that doesn't make sense. So I'm here to tell you that when I've reviewed Australian data of housing markets, this grading system is a ranking piece to cluster markets to make people feel more confident about their opinion or their way of buying property. So I'm not talking about professionals, by the way. I'm talking about both professionals and consumers. So you might go, look, I only buy investment grade properties or uh, a professional might be out there that goes, I buy investment grade and we only you know, suggest investment grade properties. I want you to really peel it back. And here are some key data points to share with you that actually highlight that. So number one is we discuss the long-term aspects. Number two is we've isolated train stations, CBD distance, certain schools, certain beaches and amenities, and various other factors that people value a lot. And what I found was very interesting in the data. And if you're keen to jump into this data, I encourage you to visit investikit.com.au, click on our research tab, jump onto news and insights, and there are at least three to five pages of myth busting, frequently asked questions, research and data that we've shared that go into some of these concepts. And what some of those things I've just bookmarked for you in terms of amenities, beaches, train stations, distance to CBD, schools, these are factors that were given priority in people's investment grade ranking of markets. And so what I've come to learn is that with these things, if you in isolation review them all, just in pure isolation, there wasn't enough data to suggest that they will clearly outperform or have done so in all circumstances. Keyword, in all circumstances. I found some that did, some that didn't, and what I've come to learn is two things in reviewing this data. And you'll find that all in some of these blog posts. The first thing I've come to learn is that when you look at all of these data points, when you start to see that they don't in isolation make a difference, I've come to learn that the city's macro fundamentals were more of the difference maker. So for example, when Sydney was heavily undersupplied, when Sydney had a lot of loans and lending flying, when Sydney had a large wave of infrastructure or large wave of job creation or reducing unemployments or large migration 
low construction, the overall city faces these challenges or positives. And the overall city will then see that shift in movement. And I often like to give out examples from the inner west to the east to the far southwest to the far west of Sydney. And I have seen many, many markets and examples where there were 10 years ago, a third of affluence, a half of affluence, however you want to call it, double the distance from the CBD, double in terms of the strength of rankings in better and in favor for some of the inner pockets and more. No beaches near them. Lots of missing amenities that you'd love to have. And yet they grew in parallel over certain windows. And so there are examples. Now, if this was completely isolated and had no single examples for one or the other, then of course that research starts to be quite clear. But there are examples that exist. So what those examples mean is that there are therefore opportunities that exist. And so if there are opportunities that exist, it means that you should not be waiting until you get three, four, five promotions before you can suddenly buy an investment grade, investment grade property. I had spent my earlier years of investing not buying investment grade properties because I couldn't afford to. It's just a fact. But had I waited from 2016 to 2020 to wait until my income continued to rise enough and enough, save enough deposit to make the so-called right decisions of investment grade, I would not be here talking to you today. I would not have the portfolio I have today. Let's go back and unpack some of those decisions. In 2017, I bought a block of four units in Burnie, Tasmania with a population of 20,000 people for 365,000. No, not investment grade. Two of my tenants are in housing commission or were at that time. That property, without any renovations, was bank valued at 785k in 2021. And funnily enough, it had a lot of its growth even prior March 2020, which was this so-called regional COVID boom that everyone likes to talk about and not use any pre-COVID data like it never existed. This grew well pre-COVID as well. Actually, in fact, those three years was one of the best performing three years it had. And so that one without renovations, with low affluence, with low rents, low purchase prices, and myself not on huge incomes at that time to be able to scale a portfolio to $3 million purchases and $4 million purchases or $2 million investment grade right in the heart of the CBD purchases that performed far better than most so-called investment grade properties. Take myself to Brisbane, $292,000 for a house in the western suburbs of Brisbane, pre-renovations worth in the low 400s, purchased 2016-2017 and then renovated and valued over 500000 today. The renovations though, only 28000 not talking game changing, carpets, paint, blinds, bench tops, vanity tops, shower head, taps, that sort of stuff. Next stuff, $380,000 for a house in Bendigo in 2020. Regional center, not a huge premium, expensive investment grade property. And yet it did its thing valued at just over 600,000 with an official bank valuation. So I can go on with countless examples. The main thing here is there is great examples on some investment so-called grade assets and there are great examples on the other. I just wanted to use this episode here to tell you that there is no one way suits all. There is and never should be a ranking or grading system for your financial future. What there should be is an assessment of your position that you make, that you get the support of others or you educate yourself on. There should be an assessment of your goals and there should be a removal of myths. And those purchase prices to your income may be different to the person next to you, to the podcast you heard, to someone else's success that you watch. So we shouldn't be here comparing. What you should be doing, in my opinion, is three things. Number one is making property investment a decision for the long term. Number two is figuring out today where you are, where you'd like to go to and reverse engineering the moves to get there. 
And then number three is making the best possible decision within your means in the short term and then increasing your means over time through enriching yourself and growing your work, your career, your job, your financial habits. And you put these three together, whether you're self-educated, self-decision-making or supported by a buyer's agency, you can then just continue to make better and better decisions. And over time, you'll thank yourself. You and your partner, if applicable, would thank yourself and your future generations, if applicable, would thank yourself. Don't fall to the trap of making great graded or non-graded decisions because non-good graded could be a C grade and in your eyes that's now an A grade and yeah ignore all grading stuff make decisions with due diligence checklists make decisions with short-term driven research long-term housing fundamentals long-term holding tenures make decisions with a plan in mind and reverse engineer what you need to make for your scenario not what someone else's grading system is for your scenario I'm here to tell you today that every property almost every property not all in my portfolio may have not been an A grade decision but just because someone has more expensive lattes than me, someone wears nicer clothes than me, or someone's closer to their workplace or the CBD or a bit of water, a bit of sunshine, does not make their investment decisions and or portfolio and or set them up better than what I can set myself up. Remove the grades, remove all of these stuff, and just focus on making the best decisions for those aspects. Your portfolio plan, short-term driven research to understand where our performance is because the last 10 years performers won't be the best next 10 years performance. And then lastly, just ensure that you're making decisions within your means, balancing them out and getting to your future goals. Don't let someone's grading system hold you back or paralyze you from making a decision. Because if I'd done that, I'm here to tell you I'd be on one or two houses and that would be it because all my borrowing capacity would have been sunk in on one to two properties. I wouldn't have taken risks in my career to focus in on bigger decisions, bigger incomes. And I wouldn't have gotten to the position I have today without making micro decisions of investment properties that proven to pay themselves off very well. So over to you on making non-graded decisions, but making better decisions each time, educated decisions, busting the myths, investikit.com.au you slash research check out the myth busting check out the frequently asked questions we have we've made these blogs because of the questions you send in and they will show you that it's all about those factors i've told you today your plan reverse engineer your means and making the best decisions in the short term and then lastly holding for the long term and whether you want your own decisions to be done educated ones through your own learning or through professional help that is over to you thank you so much for another episode and great to get this one off my chest investment grade assets rbs thank you